0: CNN airs actual Marxist propaganda. So I will debunk the five lies. The liberals, and by that I mean both leftists and the mainstream media, are peddling about critical race theory, plus the danger of action civics. Have you heard of that phrase, action civics, in public schools and proof that President Biden wants critical race theory taught in K-12 public schools. Also, Victoria's Secret is ditching their angels and replacing the angels with soccer star Megan Rapino. You know the one with the pink hair? plus a transgender model. And the Catholic Church is going to issue guidance on whether pro-abortion politicians can receive the Eucharist, but this should not be a difficult decision. I will tell you why today. I'm Liz Wheeler, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. Okay, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon on CNN are quite possibly the two hackiest hacks in the entire mainstream media. And that's saying something because it's quite the competition over there in the liberal corporate media sphere. Before we get to the details on that, speaking of making sure your information, not just your political information and your facts are secure, but the information, your information online is secure. Let's talk about ExpressVPN. There are a lot of things we both search for online that aren't anybody else's business. And I know what you're thinking. Well, if you're searching for sensitive things, just use private mode. Go incognito but actually that's not good enough. I recently learned incognito mode does not hide your activity. Your internet service provider can not only see every single website that you ever visit, it doesn't matter if you clear your browsing history either, they can still see it, and they're legally allowed to sell that information to ad companies. That's why even when I'm at home, I never go online without using ExpressVPN because it's really creepy to think that your internet service provider can not only see what you're doing, but sell it. So ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet service provider cannot see the sites you visit. They also keep all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. All you have to do is tap one button and you are protected. So protect your online activity today. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com Liz, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com Liz. ExpressVPN ppn.com slash Liz to learn more. Protect yourself online today. It's what I do. So CNN is airing actual Marcus, Marxist propaganda now. They're not just liberal. They're not just leftist. They're not just partisan hacks. They're actually propagating Marxist talking points. What I'm talking about specifically is Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon. Actually, watch it for yourself. They're talking about critical race theory. Take a listen. About who is telling you, mm-hmm. right? So if you are the person. Who happens to be telling the history, you're going to tell it in your favor. And the best way to correct that so that um, some people aren't uh, over indexed in the history of the country is to have all voices, as many voices as possible included in that history. You know, I had somebody today saying, well, you know, I, I'm just, I'm worried. I want in the telling I, of that history. Go I don't on, want sorry. people lecturing my kid like, Hey, you're white, you're bad because of this and this. I said, why do you think that's what it will be? Mm-hmm. I said, that's the only problem is your perception. Why wouldn't you want your, your kid to understand the roots of slavery and the legacy of slavery, how it is played out for enslaved people as a culture throughout the years? Why wouldn't you want that? You don't think that telling people that they were beaten and sold and lynched makes them feel bad? That's, mean, right. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, right. That's exactly right. Get your, so, that's always happy to hear. It. That's your idea of uh, that's the whole thing about what privilege is, is that you you. People don't like to have their pleasure interrupted, their peace interrupted. They're denying that it exists and they are propagating the lamest and most easily debunked talking points about critical race theory. So what what I want to do today is I want to talk about these liberal lies about critical race theory because you will hear them. You'll hear them from the mainstream media. You'll hear them from liberal politicians. You'll hear them from anybody who is a defender of critical race theory. And here they are. The first liberal lie about critical race theory is that slavery isn't taught in school, or slavery is taught that it wasn't such a bad idea, it wasn't that bad for slaves. That's the first lie that liberals tell about critical race theory. So the truth is, and this is by the way what I challenge any leftist, any liberal, any proponent or defender of critical race theory, name me one single school, one curriculum, one classroom, one teacher who's sanctioned by their school administration name one school in a public school system that teaches this. I don't think you can because I don't think it exists. That's line number one. Lie number two says that critical race theory is a perspective on history told by the oppressed. This one actually makes me laugh because of what we talked about last week and the week before, the history of critical race theory all the way back to critical theory. Basically, it was invented by white men from germany in order to push marxism so it's not told by the oppressed critical theory is a perspective a quote unquote tactic or tool invented by white men who want essentially to take over the west and impose marxism on us it's not told by the oppressed line number 3 liberals claim that critical race theory is not being taught in K to 12 schools, in public schools in the United States. They say it's merely a law school class an academic discipline, they say. Well, my answer to that is, tell that to the parents in Loudoun County, Virginia or South Lake, Texas. in South Lake, Texas specifically. Now this is a really interesting case study on how to get critical race theory out of your school system. The parents took over the school board because of what's called a cultural competence action plan. That was critical race theory packaged as so-called cultural competence. Now, you when, when critical race theory oftentimes is packaged in the public school system, it doesn't say, okay, and now a chapter on critical race theory and how we're trying to make the United States Marxist. No, they hide it, of course, just like they're denying what it is. They hide it in the curriculum. So these are the words to look for in school curriculum if you're looking for critical race theory. Look for the words equity, intersectionality, diversity, and inclusion, allies, microaggression, white privilege, white fragility, sometimes even white supremacy because they claim everything in the United States is white supremacy, systemic racism, land acknowledgement, implicit bias, lived experience, lived reality. If any of those phrases in any form exist in some kind of cultural competency or ethnic studies modules in public school curriculum, that is critical race theory. That is critical race theory. And yet the left pretends that because it isn't billed as, oh, here's the chapter on critical race theory, that it doesn't exist. They're lying to you. Unsurprising. The fourth lie that they tell is that critical race theory in schools is just a conspiracy theory. Of course, we we watched the video last week of Terry McAuliffe, the gubernatorial candidate in the state of Virginia, saying that parents... Being worried about critical race theory in Virginia schools—that that's just a conspiracy theory. Well, the mainstream media, of course, you know, want to help propagate leftist talking points. So Chuck Todd over at NBC calls this calls critical race theory in schools a quote so-called controversy. Listen, let's take this uh, this so-called controversy over critical race theory, and I say so-called controversy because it's sort of it's a creation that keeps people watching or keeps people clicking, or suddenly you know, yada, 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 school board meetings are getting disrupted, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just sort of like, wait a minute, are you covering the news that people need to know? A so-called controversy. I suppose teaching children that everyone is identified first and foremost by their skin color and not by the content of their character. I suppose that's just a so-called controversy. Teaching, indoctrinating children with racism, that's just a so-called controversy. Having parents worried about their children being taught Marxism and used as pawns, being the victims of racialism. That's just a so-called controversy to the left. The left will, time and time again, lie to you about critical race theory. I will be here to debunk their lies one after the other. Those are the four lies of the day. Okay, you watch this show to take care of your mind, right? Your facts. Well, t- speaking of taking care of your mind, it's also important to take care of your body. So let's talk about nutriful 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you're among them, know that you're not alone and that there's a solution that you can trust to deliver results. Nutriful offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. You can visit nutriful.com and take their hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations that are unique to your hair's need. 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. More than 1,500 top doctors recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code LIZ to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LIZ. When you subscribe, you'll receive automatic monthly deliveries so that you never miss a dose. That's Nutraful.com promo code Liz. So speaking of critical race theory in schools, you'll notice that a certain individual, certain leader of the free world has been very quiet about critical race theory. I'm talking about Joe Biden. The Biden-Harris administration has uh, not spoken publicly about these controversies in any meaningful way. They're leaving that battle to the mainstream media to propagate these leftist talking points. But we actually have proof that the Biden administration wants critical race theory taught in schools. The Biden administration, in fact, is incentivizing schools to teach critical race theory. And again, we're not talking about universities, we're talking about K-12 public school classrooms. In fact, the Biden Department of Education, the Biden Department of Education is pushing the 1619 Project and the work of Ibram X. Kendi, the anti racist guy. This is what I'm talking about. The Biden Department of Education released text of a new rule. Remember, that's how agencies in the federal government, in the executive branch, when the legislative branch neglects their duty to actually legislate, they defer to the executive agencies who make these rules essentially governing our country, even though they're unaccountable to us, the Biden Department of Education released text of a new rule that would establish what they're calling priorities for grants in American history and civics education programs. They will prioritize these grants if the grant project, and this is a quote from the rule, incorporates racially, ethnically, culturally, and linguistically diverse perspectives. So what does that mean? Well, they tell you what it means. The Biden Department of Education says they will prioritize these grants if the grant project incorporates racially, ethnically, culturally, and linguistically diverse perspectives, such as the 1619 Project and Ibram X. Kendi's How to be an Anti-Racist, AKA critical race theory. Because that's what those two things are, critical race theory. Dividing people into oppressors and oppressed pretending that America was conceived in racism, viewing everything and everybody through the prism of race in order to undermine American institutions, Western institutions, so that they can impose Marxism instead. Now, this new rule uh, under the Biden Department of Education, the programs themselves are small. That'll be the defense from the left. Is, this, is, this is a piddly amount of money to begin with. Sure, okay. But this leads to the Civics Secures Democracy Act. Have you heard of this? Well, the Civics Secures Democracy Act is something everyone should be concerned about. The Civics Secures Democracy Act appropriates $1 billion a year, billion with a B, for six years. It appropriates this for civics and history education. This bill, this is the problematic part, this bill includes what's called action civics, Now this is a phrase many people aren't familiar with. I actually only recently became familiar with this myself. I delved deep into the research on this. This is truly problematic. Action civics is essentially another word for partisan progressive political activism. Action civics is actually already required in two states in our country, in Illinois and in Massachusetts. It can sometimes be called civic engagement or new civics or project-based civics. What is it? What is action civics? It is a theory that students will acquire know-how of civics best through direct political action. So instead of classroom work, they go out of the classroom and engage in political activism to learn about our system of government, to learn about civics, such as if they go to gun control rallies or they organize something in favor of the Green New Deal. That is action-based civics, action civics. Now, compare that with traditional civics. Now, this is a definition of traditional civics from Stanley Kurtz. He says true civic education conveys the purpose, nature, and contours of our constitutional republic, tells the story of the struggle to uphold its founding principles of equal rights and liberty, and cultivates virtues necessary to the republic's preservation. What civic education very deliberately does not attempt to do is supply students with substantive political positions. That is for the students themselves to determine as free individuals in the fullness of time, end quote. So compare that, traditional civics versus action civics. Action civics is an obvious tool of indoctrination. It's vulnerable to indoctrination. In fact, if you leave students, if a teacher, a specific teacher or school or school district wants to, They can completely forego the actual the actual concrete education of the student. Instead, you can just brainwash the student or harness their emotion into this action outside the classroom that might further the political agenda of the teacher or the principal or the school board, whatever administrative person is in charge of the curriculum. So there's a vulnerability to using children, to brainwashing children and using them for your own political purpose. Action civics problematic action civics, this is already written into the Action Secures Democracy Act. In fact, it's written into the priority criteria of the bill itself. So Stanley Kurtz of the National Review gives an incredible breakdown of this. He says, the federal Civic Se- Secures Democracy Act must be stopped just as a combination of Obama's Race to the Top grant program and federal regulations managed to impose the abysmal common core standards in math and English on nearly every state, The Civic Secures Democracy Act is designed to impose leftist action civics and critical race theory on even red states. The state-level grant money is large enough that the leftist education bureaucrats who dominate even in red states will have a clear field to apply for federal funding. If conservative governors push back against grants that commit an entire state's education system to action civics and critical race theory, they will be slammed by Democrats, the education establishment, and the media for refusing badly needed federal dollars. We've seen this happen, right? In Texas, when Rick Perry was governor, he refused federal money because it was attached to common Core, and What happened? He got eviscerated by the media, by the education establishment. It was, an, it was an easy argument to be made rhetorically in the public. Oh, Rick Perry doesn't care about students. He refused federal money when all the public schools need is more money. Well, the money was attached to this poisonous ideology, or in that case it was attached to just bad education, common core. But in this case, it would be attached to poisonous ideology, and yet it would be so difficult politically for Republicans in states to refuse. So if there's any doubt in your mind whether the Biden administration wants critical race theory to be taught in public schools, K to 12 public schools, not just universities, this should wipe the doubt from anybody's mind. It's there, he's proved it. His Department of Education is taking this kind of action. Okay, speaking of the culture wars and fighting for the mind of America's youth, my good friend Michael Knowles has a new book now available called Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds and you can order your copy today. Now, we talk a lot on this show about the culture wars, about cancel culture, and how it's more important now than ever that we don't back down to radical leftist ideology. But how did we get to the point that these things dominate our public discourse over the last quarter century? In Michael's new book, he traces the idea of political correctness all the way from the early 20th century to the present. Michael has an interesting take on the current situation and what to do about it, I actually don't fully agree with Michael's prescription on how we should take back our culture, but hey, that's what a good debate about policy is about, debating what's best to find the most effective solution. That's what makes us conservatives different from the left. We can actually discuss and disagree in good faith. Michael's gonna hate me for this review. Michael's book, Speechless, is available for pre-order, and you can get your copy. It's available now. You can get your copy today at SpeechlessBook.com. SpeechlessBook.com, and if you buy your copy, Read it, tell me what you think, and tell Michael what you think. He worked really hard on this book, and for that, I am proud of him. Speechlessbook.com. Okay, did you guys see that Victoria's Secret is getting rid of their angels? Yep, they're replacing the angels with, get this, soccer star and professional whiner, Megan Rapino. I literally laughed when I read that headline this weekend. I thought, this has gotta be the Babylon Bee. This can't be real, must be satire. Oh, no, no, it's so, so real. I laugh because Megan Rapinoe? Every man's dream, an angry lesbian. Apparently Victoria's Secret is trying to rebrand and pretend that lingerie is not about men's sexual desire. Okay, because women wear teddies and g-strings at sleepovers with each other? No. If you think that, in fact, you probably watch porn and you should stop. Of course women wear Victoria's Secret because they want to look sexy for men. What wife doesn't want to look sexy for her husband? And yes, sexy in his opinion, because men and women are different, and there's nothing in this world wrong with that. But here's the thing. Victoria's Secret isn't discontinuing their angels because that gratuitous poses, photos, videos of half-naked women objectifies women's bodies publicly. No, they're doing it because wokesters want to re-educate people, and by people in this case, I mean men, on what it means to be sexy. Now, Well, now you must be attracted to an angry lesbian with pink hair or a transgender model, a male who identifies as female, or you're a bigot. If you're not attracted to a transgender model, you are a transphobe. The whole thing is absolutely ridiculous. And by the way, transgender activists literally claim if straight cisgender males are not attracted to transgender women, and by that I mean biological males who identify as women, then the straight cisgender men are transphobic. This is an article from a transgender activist talking about this very question. This is what he says. Quote, starting with the obvious, a cisgender man and a transgender woman are the same gender. While people downplay attraction as solely individual and innate, markers of desirability are deeply political, shaped by our environments, cultures, and dominant society. The fact that society upholds the thin, feminine, able-bodied cisgender white woman as the epitome of beauty is not a coincidence. These standards are put in place to enforce and naturalize oppressive beliefs. It's perfectly fine, he says, to prefer tall men over short ones or refuse to date a slob, but when it comes to oppressed groups, one's alleged lack of attraction to them is rarely coincidental. So he's basically saying that there's no such thing as biology, that it's all, it's all socialization, right? That if you're not attracted to a certain gender, it's because, uh, because your mind was trained not to by society, not because there's any inherent biology to attraction. He goes on to say, whenever the topic of attraction to transgender people comes up, so do our genitals. It's as if that's all people think we bring to the relationship table. Generally basing sexual attraction or orientation solely around genitals is rather invasive, dehumanizing, and a bit unrealistic. Nobody needs to see their perspective first date in the nude to figure out if they're cute or not. Most people who declare preferences don't actually do that. They instead deem one set of genitals mandatory for them to maintain attraction. Yeah. He goes on and says, a preference implies an openness to multiple options. However, most people who say they prefer people with vaginas wouldn't ever consider dating someone with a penis. There's a significant difference between people like that and people who would be fine with any set, but simply like one better. Again, implying that if you don't, if you're not open to a sexual relationship with any, with either gender, someone with either male genitalia or female genitalia, then there's something wrong with you. This is what he says, considering most people's conceptions of gender assign a set of genitalia to each binary gender, general preferences, though people so often treat them as requirements, are arguably socially taught as well. This is actually a very interesting take. I I disagree with him, but obviously, but it's an interesting take because this is what the left is trying to do in the reverse. They are treating gender as if it's socially taught because they are trying to re-educate men. In this case, Victoria's Secret's arguably doing this. Um, They're trying to re-educate men about what men think is sexy. They're saying, well, you shouldn't think that Victoria's Secret angels are sexy, not because they're too skinny, not because they're airbrushed, not because they have a ton of stage makeup on, not because they're unrealistic in a flawless sense, but because you should think you should think an angry lesbian soccer star and a transgender model are sexy, otherwise you are a bad person. The left is actively trying to re-educate men on how they should think about sex. This is what the transgender activist says contradicting himself, of course. No one is saying that people have to engage in sexual acts with any set of genitals, whether they belong to a transgender person or not. Once more, no one can make you engage with anybody. Still, people should consider if their proclaimed lack of willingness to involve themselves with someone with a certain set of genitalia has something to do with the idea that women equal vagina and penis equal man, it often does, end quote. Yes, it often does because that is how biology works. I mean, that's that's strictly a biological scientific sense, That's not even talking about the spiritual sense, but this is why the transgender agenda is so destructive. This is why it's so dangerous, because ultimately they are trying to destroy the idea, the objective truth that men are men and women are women, that our biology matches our gender, that our sex matches our gender, and they're trying to destroy the traditional man-woman relationship. What happens when you destroy that? Well, it destroys marriage. When you destroy marriage, you destroy the family. When you destroy the family, what are people left with? They are rendered dependent on government instead of on their families. This is why I speak up so strongly against this. It's not because I'm intolerant. It's not because I'm trying to tell people how they live their lives. You know that I'm committed to freedom. If adults want to live their lives being called by a certain name, dressing a certain way, believing something that's not objectively true, that's fine. They're free to do that. They're also free to engage in a relationship with any other consensual adult who will have them but I will not accept this on a cultural level. I will not stop speaking out against it because it's not just a matter of inclusion and tolerance. It is an, it is a movement of activists who are trying to re-educate our society on what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what relationships mean, what sex is, and therefore, the cascading effects is the destruction of the family, and I will never stand by quietly while that happens. I hope Victoria's Secret, by the way, fades into obscurity because they caved to the woke mob. They caved to the woke mob, and they're trying to embrace objective reality in the most basic form that men are attracted to women. Also, by the way, did anyone see the old tweet of Megan Rapinos that surfaced? This was from like a decade ago. This is what she said, it's a, it's a racist tweet racially charged the very least, racist I think. She tweeted someone else, a former teammate of hers, and said, and I quote, you look Asian with those closed eyes, end quote. Now you guys know I'm not about cancel culture. Don't agree with it, don't believe in it. Think it's destructive. But let's just take a second. Can we recognize the hypocrisy here? What happened? Using the left's own standards, which by the way, they will always eat themselves by their own standards. What happened to intersectionality? Victoria's Secret, your new woke lesbian spokesperson made a racially charged joke about Asian eyes. What happened to stop Asian hate? Oh, well, I guess you don't care about that when your spokesperson is also woke, when she's a radical leftist. And when you've changed your agenda to one intending to destroy objective reality, then the racist jokes and cancel culture simply doesn't apply. Catholic bishops will clarify sometime this week, I believe, who, meaning which Catholics, can receive the Eucharist. This comes in the face of Joe Biden receiving the Eucharist while promoting abortion. Promoting abortion as a politician. He obviously claims he's personally pro-life or personally against abortion, or he used to claim that. I haven't heard him claim that recently because he wants the money from the radical abortion lobby. However, the Catholic bishops are going to clarify who can receive Eucharist. They're drafting a document this week. It's it's worth noting before this even comes out that the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops cannot dictate who receives the Eucharist or not. That's actually up to the individual bishops uh, in the different regions in our countries, the different dioceses uh, of the of the politicians themselves. Okay. So in the face of this, a group of sixty Catholic Democrats, and I say that with a bad taste in my mouth because can you be a practicing Catholic and be a modern Democrat? I don't think so. 60 so-called Catholic Democrats from the House and the Senate issued a statement of principles. Can't make this up. The most radical pro-abortion party in the history of our country thinks they have principles. They issued a statement of principles to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops demanding that the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops do not prohibit pro-abortion Catholic politicians from receiving the Eucharist. This is the argument from the 60 Catholic Democrats in Congress. They demand that the Catholic Church not use the Eucharist as a weapon. They say the weaponization of the Eucharist to Democratic lawmakers for their support of a woman's safe and legal access to abortion. That's their phrase. They say, should they be denied the Eucharist, this would be, quote, contradictory to the Catholic Church's teaching. They claim that they, quote, work every day to advance respect for life and the dignity of every human being. And then they say they agree with the Catholic Church on the value of human life. If these are not the words of the Antichrist, not to be hyperbolic, then I don't know what they are, sounding like they value life as they preside over an abortion industry. And we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Let's, let's continue what, what they say in this statement of principles. They claim that they follow Catholic doctrine and support the value of human life because of the government policies, the big government welfare programs that they support, helping the poor, disadvantaged and oppressed, protecting the least among them. They say that qualifies them to receive the Eucharist. They don't say that their big government policies actually take money from other people, that they don't help they don't help inner cities. they don't help people in inner cities pull themselves out of poverty. They're just socialist redistribution of wealth programs. They're not individual charity. They're government-centric. So this statement that we expect sometime this week from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, this is what it should contain. Describe to me, both scientifically and morally, exactly when a human life begins, when a soul enters the body. The answer to that is the moment of conception from both standpoints, scientifically and morally, theologically, according to the Catholic Church. Describe to me next what the abortion procedure is. The answer to that, of course, is first trimester chemical abortions suffocate the unborn baby, depriving it nutrients from the endometrial layer. The second trimester abortion uses forceps to dismember the unborn baby. And a third trimester abortion is a lethal injection to the heart, which causes the baby to have a fatal heart attack. That is, in practicality, what the abortion procedure that these Catholic Democrats support is. Describe to me next what the Catholic Church teaches doctrinally, on abortion and life. Life, of course, being created in the image of God. The answer to that is the Catholic Church teaches that abortion is a grave moral evil, a mortal sin. If you procure an abortion, then you are prohibited from receiving the Eucharist unless or until confession and absolution of that sin. So building on that one, describe to me exactly what a mortal sin is according to the doctrine of the Catholic Church. A mortal sin is a sin where you actively reject Christ. Well, if an unborn baby, that human being, is made in God's image, and you kill them unjustifiably, then you are literally rejecting the image of God. That is a mortal sin. So describe to me then the Catholic teaching on receiving the Eucharist when you're in a state of mortal sin. The answer to this is very simple. You may not, unless absolved of that sin, forgiven of that sin. That that is all the document from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops should contain. It's not complex it's not even controversial. It's Catholic doctrine. In fact, in 2013, Pope Francis, he wasn't the Pope yet, but Pope Francis issued a statement on this very thing. He directed Argentina's bishops, or he, he was Pope when he directed Argentina's bishops to govern the church following the aparceded document. This was a document he wrote before he was the Pope. He said to the Argentinian bishops, these are the guidelines we need for this time in history. Okay, this is what he said. He said, we should commit ourselves to Eucharistic coherence. That is, we should be conscious that people cannot receive Holy Communion and at the same time act or speak against the commandments, in particular when abortion, euthanasia, and other serious crimes against life and family are facilitated. This responsibility applies particularly to legislators, governors, and health professionals." End quote. That should be included in this guidance from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. It would be unconscionable if they sanctioned this. And American Catholics should make their voices heard. Okay, a city in the state of Illinois allowed a pride parade this month. They allowed a public celebration of Juneteenth, the newest federal holiday, but they are not allowing a 4th of July celebration to celebrate American Independence Day. This is happening in Evanston, Illinois, and they're blaming this contradiction. Why would they allow a Pride Parade and Juneteenth celebration, but claim that because of COVID, they can't celebrate the 4th of July? How do they justify this? Well, they're blaming the contradiction on the fact that July 4th celebrations were decided in March. They were decided whether to be held or not in March in order to secure permits for the fireworks. Sure. Everyone's gonna believe that. We're sure it has nothing to do with your political agenda, you giant history-revising radical leftist hacks. Please, people of Evanston, hold your city council accountable. Go out and celebrate Independence Day. Celebrate the 4th of July. Do not let them erase American history. Do not let them take the independence that they do not want you to celebrate. Okay, one last thing before we go tonight. This is perhaps my favorite part of the show. Our production manager, Victoria recently got a new dog. She adopted a dog, she rescued a dog, because the dog she already has was lonely, needing a companion, so she adopted this lovely thing. (laughs) This hideous beast is named George after both George Washington and George Clooney, ironically. And Sweet Ugly George is perhaps the ugliest dog that anyone has ever set eyes on, ever in the history of the world. However, Victoria is Willfully blind to this, thinks George is adorable. I think George is pathetically and hilariously hideous. So please, please, uh, help us resolve this. <laughs> help us resolve the question of whether sweet, ugly George is sweet George or ugly George. Join us on locals.lizwheelershow.com/slash-locals and cast your vote. Is sweet, ugly George adorable, or is this hideous beast the most repugnant thing that you've ever that's ever walked the face of the earth? All right, as you can see on the screen, the great and powerful Jay Hay, my producer, says we are out of time today. Please be sure to tune in tomorrow. In the meantime, think for yourself. Use critical thought, not critical theory. Question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, download our episodes, give us a five-star rating, a glowing review. It helps us move up the charts, which helps more people discover the show, which helps more people hear reality. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay, executive producer Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Stephen Reyes. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Assistant editor, Tommy Weber. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson, post-production manager, Victoria Metzel, Director of Marketing, Emily Washler, Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson, and production assistant Mickey Pisani. This has been a Soundfront Production.